Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. In the last uh, year or two, we've heard of many Christians, Christians we thought were so solid, uh, we thought were really on the path, um, rejecting Christ or just moving away from, from the fellowship. And I, I thought about that very often. And I thought to myself, why is this? And, and in retrospect, I thought of this with the mindset of these people, you know, something like that would not happen to me. And, and then I was so privileged to be invited by Trevor to be part of, of the, the men's hockey team's journey. And part of that journey was that we should be going to Europe. And I was so excited. I was telling my children how it's going to be. And I was so excited about that. And then my, my dear wife said to me, don't you think you should pray about it? And I said, yeah. I'm sure God wants this too. I, I want it very much, right? And I prayed about it. And I, I very clearly felt that God is saying I should not go to Europe. And I was crushed. I thought, how is this possible? I started telling people I felt like such an idiot because you you get an opportunity like that. And how many times in your life are you going to get an opportunity like that? And um, some people said, yeah, maybe you should pray twice. Ask God just to make sure. Others said, maybe you should ask another Christian brother. Maybe he gets another this message. And I actually did ask God to just, if I just please ask for another confirmation about this and... He did not change his mind. But what happened after that was very significant. I caught myself starting to doubt God's existence. I I very specifically remember one morning taking a long walk and, and, and starting to wonder, is God real? For the first time in, I think, about... 30 years, I started to wonder about God's existence. And that shocked me to my core. And it started to put me on a path where I was starting to to just think about the schemes of the devil that we're fighting. And I, I feel like God has given me three things the enemy does. It's it's not the only things, but I think three significant things that I would like to share with you today and ask you to think about in your own personal life. And those significant things are, are answered by answering the questions to the following three questions. Is Jesus your treasure? Is he the one that you desire, the one you want to be with, the one that everything is about, the one that is the center of your universe, or is he your tool, the one that answers your prayers, the one that does good things for you, organizes salvation for you? Is he your tool, or is he your treasure? You see, I started to doubt his existence because he was my tool and not my treasure. Then the second question is, is he your savior or your servant? 
Your Savior saves you. It's all about Him. Your servant does what you tell your servant to do. So it's all about you. So is He your Savior or your servant? And the third question is, is He your sanctifier or is He your slave? You see, the sanctifier changes you the way He pleases. Your slave honors you the way you please. You see, very often we, we make the mistake. We think we are fighting the devil. We're not fighting the devil. We, we are fighting the schemes of the devil. If you look at um, Ephesians 6 verse 10, it says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And in Jude, we read that um, we should, he starts out with us uh, thinking that we are better than others, etc., etc. And then he continues by saying, yet in like manner, these people um, also relying on their dreams, defile their flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious. Uh, glorious ones. But when the angel, archangel Michael... Now, if the archangel Michael would suddenly appear here, guys, a big percentage of us would be attempted to fall down and pray to him because we're going to think it's Christ, right? This guy is awesome. He's amazing, right? Um, so it's not just anyone. The archangel Michael contending with the devil was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a, a blasphemous judgment, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. You see, he, he knows who's boss. <laughs> he knows who's in charge. There's no doubt in his mind. Is there doubt in our mind? Who's in charge? Very often when I speak to people uh, about their walk in Christ, they talk to me about their fight with the devil. And, and as I listen to them, and, I, and, and I've just shared with you that I fall as well, but as I listen to them, I wonder, who's glorified here? Christ or you? You see, we, we know the battle was fought and we know who won. There's no fight left. It's the schemes that we're dealing with. Now, therewith, I don't want to say that you don't have authority as a Christian on a spiritual realm. You know my story that I've shared in the past where I was demonized and somebody told that demon to leave me. So, definitely we have that authority. We have that through Christ, though, and our relationship with him. We have the victory already, and we should be acting in that victory. So what is the aim of these schemes? The first aim uh, that I mentioned already is denying God or doubting his, his existence, at least. The second aim is trusting in ourselves, and, and that results in legalism and, and stepping out of grace. And the third one is never truly accepting Christ. It's always Christ and. 
never truly getting to that point where we, we make him our Lord and Savior and being at risk of having a false conversion. Now, how does that work? Through those three things. Turning God into your tool, turning God into your servant, and turning God into your slave. Now, in Matthew 22, uh, we read that somebody asked Christ, uh, so what is the most important commandment? And he said the following, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, so with everything within you. That is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Remember, as you love yourself. Loving yourself is a done deal. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So why does it hang on loving God? You see, if God is your treasure, his existence is sure. There's no doubt. You never doubt your treasure. Anything you treasure exists in your mind, no doubt. But if God is your tool, if a tool fails, it is at best useless. And that is when we start to doubt in his existence. So there's a real easy test you can, you can take if God is your tool or your treasure. Ask yourself the one biggest thing that you wish for. If God gives you that, will you praise him? Yes. If God doesn't, Will you praise him? Will you still glorify him? Will you be like Job that says, although you slay me, I will still praise you? Will you be like that? If you are there, then he's your treasure. If not, you need to ask God to make him your treasure. So what is the scheme? The treasure versus the tool. The end, end game there is denying God. That is, what, that is what the enemy aims at. So let's have a look at the other two. The Savior versus the servant. Let's consider the difference, right? Uh, if we look at uh, the difference between a Savior and a servant. You see, a Savior, if he saves you, he gets the glory of your salvation. He gets the glory. If your servant saves you, you get the glory of your salvation. If the Savior saves you, you depend on him. If he's your servant, he's dependent on you. How many times have you, have you been tempted to say, it's because of my faith that Christ can do this? Who's God in that equation? Savior, he makes it happen. Servant, you make it happen. You see, it, it serves our desire to be the center of the universe, to be God ourselves. So don't confuse the, the term uh, servant with serve. Christ said many times, I came to serve, right? Right? 
But if I serve you, I still make choices. If I'm your servant, you make the choices. It's all about who's in charge, who's God, and who's not. Paul says to the Ephesians, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in, um, in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. For good works. Which God prepared beforehand. That we should walk in them. And Paul says to the Galatians, but in our endeavor, endeavor and this is just after he, he confronts uh, Peter, and there's this whole discussion about uh, the Jews being faithful and the, the, um, the non Jews not really being um, uh, 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 non sinners, etc., etc., and you need to be more like the Jews. That kind of thing. So he, he carries on with that. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant uh, to sin or of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I die to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for, it, uh, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. You see, Christ died for this purpose, that we accept him as our savior and that he saves us. So what is the aim? The aim is that we trust in ourselves. And that results in legalism. It results in us stepping out of grace. And, and what happens with such people. The first thing that happens is there's a lack of love. We become, as we've seen in 1 Corinthians, we become a, a, a clinging symbol. We become something that just makes noise. Nobody wants to hear you if you are there where you've got no love. People don't want to hear you. It makes us prideful. Because if I think I'm saved because I'm such a great person, how can I not be prideful? You see, the problem with pride is that pride puts us in a place where God is supposed to be. 
That's why God hates pride. Because it steals His glory that belongs only to Him. And the third thing that happens is that we start to condemn. We start to condemn those that are not as good as we are. We start to condemn ourselves for not being good enough. So that whole savior versus servant, the aim is that we trust in ourselves and that we step out of grace. The last one that I want to highlight is the sanctifier versus the slave. So the sanctifier is the one who changes you consistently as he pleases. The slave is the one that approves consistently as you please. So, what is the result of this? Firstly, I think there's, there's a false conversion that comes. People think they've accepted Christ, but they never made Him their Lord. They never submit to Christ. They say, oh, that's cool. He died for my sin. He died for your sins when you accept Him as your Lord and your Savior. He does not die for people's sins that don't accept Him. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Don't let anyone catch you like that. And don't you go catching people like that. It also creates lukewarmness. Because you see... If he's my slave, what do I need to do? He's just my slave. So let's have a look at the false conversion. In 1 John 1 verse 9, we read, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He is faithful and just to do what? To forgive us our sins. We all have got that down, right? And to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. God does the work. Therefore, my beloved, in Philippians 2 verse 12 verse 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's another one of those verses where you know the first part, right? Work out your salvation, guys, with fear and trembling. But the second part is really significant. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work. And for what? For His good pleasure you see God does the work he gets the glory he's the one that cleans you from in he's the one that takes you along that path and makes you better at getting towards him you can never do it on your own and that is such a good message that relieves you from so much strain I think a lot of Christians walk around with this anxiety that they are not good enough. But your good enough depends on your Lord 
and your Savior. Your good enough depends on Christ. In Ephesians 2, verse 5 to 10, we read, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive. He made us alive. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. You see, the larger God becomes the less the pressure on us. If you have a small God, you have to have massive faith. If you have a massive God, even small faith, like a mustard seed, can move a mountain. So, in Galatians 5, 16 to 18, we read again, but I say, walk by the Spirit. You see, it's the Spirit that does the work. It's the Spirit that does the work within you. Now, one of the most amazing stories I've heard that illustrates this whole thing so uh, well is a story about a farmer that had a problem with a wolf. Uh, I suppose if it was in Namibia, it would have been a leopard or something like that, all right? But it's easier to get a picture of a wolf. So he's got three op two options. So one of them is just shoot the wolf, all right? Uh, but this farmer is really a peace-loving farmer, so he decides to catch the wolf, and he has a discussion with this wolf. And he says to him, dude, you need to try to be a sheep, okay? Let's just try to, otherwise I'm going to have to shoot you, all right? So try to be a sheep. And at best, what he achieves is a wolf in sheep's clothing. The challenge here is the wolf might behave like a sheep. From the outside, he looks like a sheep. But his heart is still a wolf's heart. If you came to church today because it's just something you have to do, you know, it's part of the Christian kind of thing. Are you a wolf in sheep's clothing? If you do things and you think, that's just, I don't want to do this, but it's probably the Christian thing to do. Are you a wolf in sheep's clothing? You see the amazing thing? The farmer only has two options. God has three. He can make the wolf a sheep. By changing his heart. By changing his inner being. You cannot change your inner being on your own strength and might. You can try, but you're still going to be a wolf in sheep's clothing. So, is Jesus changing you from within? Or are you a wolf trying to be a sheep? You see, if you are a wolf trying to be a sheep, I get it. I understand why you would long, want to be lukewarm. Because if you try to do it in your own strength, you'll doubt yourself because you know what your heart is like. And you would be afraid of making this a public thing. So let's rather keep it as close to the, ourselves as possible because then nobody will catch us out, right? 
If you try to do it in your own strength, your change will be hard work. Christ did the hard work on the cross. If you try to do it in your own, you will soon compare yourself with others and feel like you're okay. You would go something like this. There's Adolf Hitler. I'm much better than him. I might not be on C.S. Lewis level, but I'm okay. Right? I'm okay. Yeah? Uh, but you should compare yourself to Jesus. And then that little speck is even too big. You're not even a speck on the radar in comparison to Jesus. Because you, even the smallest sin divides you from a holy God. You see, um, Paul said it nicely in Romans, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For, we, for there is no distinction, for we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So, if Christ is your slave, when, you, um, when your sanctify, uh, sanctification depends on you, you will always feel inadequate. If he's your sanctifier, when your sanctification, <laughs> that's a big word, when your sanctification depends on Jesus, you will always be adequate because of him. If he's your slave, you will not want to share your faith because you might be exposed as a fraud. And let's be honest, we are. Right? If he's your sanctifier, you're not being good enough is why you share your faith. That, I think, is the good news that we call the gospel. The good news is you're not good enough. But Christ is. If you're the slave, you would never be able to live victoriously and bold for Christ because if you later then fail, you just mess up everything, right? So then rather stay silent and not let anyone know that you made a decision for Christ. If he's your sanctifier, you are victorious. And your mess is part of him renovating you. That's the rubble that he leaves on the side. And it's not going to be part of the new building he's building. If he's your slave, you always have to prove yourself to others. And you'll start to live a fake life. And people will see through you. If he's your sanctifier, because you are victorious, as Jesus works in you, he is the one that is glorified when you admit your weaknesses. That admitting your weakness gets people to pray with you and glorify him even more. And whatever happens, he's glorified. So, do you now chill and do nothing? 
Well, if that is your opinion, you did not repent. And you did not accept Christ as your Lord. Because you see, we never stay static. You either become more like Christ, or you become less like Christ. There's no such thing as you stay in one spot. Don't allow anyone to fool you like that. Jesus is your treasure or your tool. Is Jesus your savior or your servant? Is Jesus your sanctifier or your slave? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you will open our hearts and that a message will be going out for each and every one in this room. I pray that you will change the lives from within and that we will stop trying to do it in our own strength. I pray that you will show us that we need to be partners with you, but you are the one that makes it happen. I pray that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.